Hey everybody, this is Luke with Hanson's Coaching Services, and uh, I just wanted to go through uh, the blog post that I that is accompanying this, and uh, I just wanted to actually go into it with you a little bit here. So today we're talking about getting what you need, obtaining the desired effect of workouts. And you know, recently our last, probably the last one I did was uh, adapting to training, where we really focused on how long it actually takes to adapt to a workload. So if you remember, it's that four to six week kind of time period. Uh, along with that, I discussed the problem of getting too fit too fast and how that can be detrimental as far as, you know, if you're still 12, 14 weeks away and you're in 95% of the shape you need to be in or 98% of the shape you need to be in, that might not bode well uh, those last three months of training. So we talked about we talked about that, and today I want to supplement those ideas with uh, with two more parts to this whole kind of idea of uh, adapting to training and and getting the effects of the work the work that you're doing. Uh, the first is uh, the first is that desired effect out of a specific workout. So knowing exactly what you're trying to accomplish with each workout, and the second is avoiding the idea that every workout is the most important. And that second part is something that I took a long time, especially. Uh, especially once I got into you know the, the professional level where everybody was better than me and so I kind of took on the idea that I needed to crush all my workouts and I think I think in the long term it actually probably hurt me a little bit and I feel like I probably overcooked myself and left a lot of my best performances and workouts and so if you so if you focus on something know what to focus on and when to focus on it and we'll, and we'll get into that a little bit too but the majority the vast majority of this is knowing what you need to get out of each workout and that'll actually help with that second part too is once you know what you're trying to get done then you need then you'll know okay is this a workout i really need to get after or not okay so first one is is easy days and and it's the, the it's the biggest component of our training but it's also probably the, the most misunderstood you know the term junk mileage is thrown around a ton so um but there's there's definitely a couple problems i see with easy days and i see it across across the board beginners to uh, elite runners so uh, the first is that the the runner will fail to see their importance for overall development you know for instance i just got an email from a runner who's going to take uh, take part of one schedule 50 mile a week schedule and take parts from a bigger schedule which was a 75 mile a week schedule and combine them and so you can guess what parts he was going to take from each schedule so he he basically wanted the short easy runs of the 50 mile week program and the big workouts of the 75 mile week program and so i actually see this a lot people will try to combine and the, the automatic thought is that i need more workouts and less easy runs and that's that's definitely not the case for most people um so essentially the problem with that is that the lower mileage he if he does if he does the easy runs based off the lower mileage schedule and the workouts off the higher mileage schedule that that throws off the ratio of, of things that we've talked about in the past so like for instance a long run should be you know 25 to 30 percent of your weekly mileage well now if he's taking that bigger long run from a 75 mile week program and throwing it into a 50 mile week program then that percentage is is going to be off right so what was 25 percent in 75 miles a week is going to be much higher in a 50 mile a week program so all those ratios get thrown off and then easy runs are now made less important because of that and so that's not always not always the case you know so um so it's an easy to make it's an easy mistake to make because 
we would all naturally assume that if we can tolerate more work, we should. However, if we can't handle the foundational work of easy running first, the harder work, harder work will only ultimately bring you down. And um, if you struggle with the idea that easy mileage is junk mileage, then then you're going to limit how high that ceiling can be. So, you know, it's like a, it's like a pyramid. That pyramid can only be as big as the foundation below it. And so when you try to attack it from the top down, you really are limited by a ceiling that's already established. That ceiling, you're only going to be able to maximize where that ceiling's already at. You're not going to be able to really raise that ceiling anymore. But if you have a bigger foundation and a bigger base, everything kind of tapers up and you now you can get a much taller ceiling. So hopefully that makes sense. And I, I just I stress that all the time, but running that, the easy mileage is key to, to overall development, especially uh, especially for something like the marathon where, you know, it's a 99% aerobic event and, you know, the vast majority of what you need is going to come from marathon pace and slower. And the rest of that is stuff we work on w within other segments. Um, so hopefully, hopefully that makes sense. And the second problem I see is that the paces I prescribe. So let's say we give you a schedule and you have an easy five miles at your easy to moderate pace. And let's say that's just eight minute miles to nine 30 minute miles. Uh, early on runners will tend to be on the faster side of the spectrum, you know, and I do this too. We're not doing anything intense. We're fresh. We're ready to go. We're excited. We tend to be pushing that eight minute miles all the, you know, all the time instead of saying, Hey, I have a whole range here of eight to nine 30. You know, it's okay if I'm nine 15 pace one day, you know, we all, I, I, and we all do it early on. We tend to hammer away. So, however, once we get into the schedule more, these paces should slow down because we're doing more work on top of that, right? So if we spend four weeks of just running mileage and then all of a sudden we start doing two or three workouts a week, then that easy mileage is going to naturally tend to slow down because we're just going to be more fatigued from all the other stuff that we're doing. Uh, so, you know, my thing is I don't know how many times runners have freaked out because their easy, easy runs have slowed down once the heavy training has kicked in. So they really tried to force the issue, you know, and going back to that eight to nine thirty pace, if all their easy runs were eight minute pace early on, and now they're tired from all the other workouts and they still, they still try to hit that eight minute pace, then they're being detrimental to their overall development. That's, that's only going to lead them into becoming injured or overtrained or, or, you know, just so fatigued that uh, they have to back down for a little bit. So backing off of that and being just, as long as you're in that range, you're okay. So that kind of goes into knowing what workout is the most important. But if you have that range, that range is there to tell you you're going to get the same benefits, whether it's 815 pace or 930 pace in, you know, in the example that we're using. So don't, don't feel like you have to be at the top end of that spectrum. My, the runs, my, the, my runs on easy days vary greatly. Like if, if we're okay and uh, it's a nice day and it's a flat loop, you know, we might be we might average 6:30 pace. You know, there's another day after a workout where I'm just tired, and I don't feel like pushing. It's gonna, it might be 7 7:30 pace. So, don't think that you're not gonna get the same benefit from being slower than if you were faster. That's one thing you really have to get out of your, get out of your head. Um, that's, and that's where I see a lot of people make their biggest mistakes is they tend to try to stay on that faster end of the pace spectrum, and not allow themselves to be all over in that range and still get the same effect. <clears throat> uh, so, which is, okay, so 
Um, your easy runs are more about time on your feet than hammering at the end, at top end of your easy pace range. So don't get caught up in matching your easy runs paces every single time. Uh, so then the next thing we can move on to is long runs, which is really just an extension of an easy day, um, except for the pure amount of time that we're on our feet running. So, so pace-wise, we're, we're using nearly the same pace range. For some people, we get a little bit faster. I'll get down to like 30 seconds uh, slower than marathon pace. But for most people, you're still in that you know roughly one to two minutes slower than marathon pace. But as you'll see, we'll, we talk about some different differences there. So now like with all training, how we apply that stimulus will differ as our ability and experience changes. So like if you're brand new to running and you're really just starting to do long runs, our first priority with you is just building that general endurance right we just we want to get you to cover that distance we're not worried about how fast that's going to be and so a lot of times and then you'll see the other side of that where and i was i was part of this for a while too was where all my long runs had to be on the very fast end of that that pace range and uh, so you really have kind of usually tend to have two two extremes there um and some people say oh it's only LSD, long, slow distance, or other people like, oh, no, it's only really, you know, um, MLD, which, you know, moderate long distance. So, but the truth is that there's different things that we can do depending on where you're at in your running. Okay, so first goal of everybody is to build your general endurance, and especially with a beginner, um, or if you're just coming back from injury, or you're early in your training segment, or you're just plain tired, then the need for a fast long run just isn't there. It's, it's going to be more detrimental than beneficial. And so for beginners, it should be a time to learn how to go out in an appropriate pace and avoid the crash and burn effect. So, uh, you know, this, this might be some trial and error, but ultimately what I want you to learn how to do is go out conservative and be able to at least maintain that pace the whole time, not go out real fast and then completely crash the last few miles and just have a miserable experience. So, and also for beginners, every progressive long run they complete is probably the furthest that they've ever run, right? So a lot of times people use our beginner program and it's the first time they've run 10 miles or it's the first time they've run 12 or 14 or 16 miles. So we simply use those long runs in that case to gain the confidence in being able to actually cover the mileage. Again, we're not worried, we're not worried at all about how fast it is. We're only worried about physically being able to run that far. And as for those as for those early in a segment or coming back from a layoff, a slower long run is a great way to increase the workload and increase your fitness without putting too much stress on your current currently fragile system. You think about it, you're just coming off an injury or you're just you're off coming off from a long amount of time off, you're not ready to hammer on anything. So you need to, you you as well need to just be focused on gaining that general endurance back. And it also helps us scale back that uh, tendency to do too much too soon. And uh, beyond that, I think most runners would agree the duration of the long run is more than enough and running too fast might not be even possible. So what I mean by that is, you know, if you haven't run a long, if you haven't run a 16 mile long run in, you know, three months, just the act of doing 16 miles is probably going to be pretty tough for you. We're not, you're not necessarily even going to be worried about how fast you're running it. Uh, even if I told you to run faster. So uh, it might not even be possible. And I think anybody with who's run a segment and then taken a bunch of time off knows exactly what I'm talking about. A few days off can sometimes feel like a few years off. 
So then we talked about before about adapting to training and how the stimulus will need to change over time if we want to keep adapting. So eventually what I'm saying is we're going to get to the point where we're no longer a beginner. And we've done the long runs. We've done the same long runs over and over and over again. Is that stimulus going to be the same to gain adaptations? And the answer is, is no. We, have to, we, we ultimately will have to change some things in everything that we do. So in the long run, you know, it's going to be, maybe it's simply increasing the distance. And that's certainly fair because, you know, a lot of times people will go from a beginner to an advanced and then start adding mileage to an advanced plan. And then, yeah, ultimately, yeah, you can definitely change the actual volume of your longest long run. Because if you go back to the percentages rule, if you're running 60 miles a week, you know, 16 is well within that 25 to 30%. You go up to 70 miles a week, you know, 18 to 20 is well within that 25 to 30% range. So you can change the long run as your volume changes. But that's the, that's the first thing that's always going to change. But the, but the point is, too, that there's different ways to run the same distance. So let's say you just, man, I'm really just, I'm a 60-mile-a-week person. I'm a 50-mile-a-week person. I'm going to keep them at 16. Well, how can I change that stimulus that I'm getting to, to further adaptation. So the first thing you can do is the fasted long run. And the idea here is to purposely run your glycogen low by not eating prior prior to the long run during the or during the long run. And the idea is that you force the body to go into a state where you have to rely on fat as the primary energy source. And this will ultimately make your body better at burning fat. And for that, for what we really care about, what you're ultimately going to be able to do is run further at a faster pace using less carbohydrate. That's ultimately what we want to do. And that when in the real practicality of that is you're going to be able to run a faster marathon. So that is a key thing. Um, the thing is when do you when do you do this? Now I wouldn't do this in the last month of a segment. Actually I wouldn't do this probably in the last you know eight weeks of a segment. I would do this probably pretty early on. I definitely feel like it's an early segment long run. So the reason being is that when the long runs are shorter, you still have enough to deplete your glycogen store. So you're not at your peak mileage and you're not at a specific marathon workload. You know, that we've talked about in the past, that last six to eight weeks is really that, you know, everything's focused purely on marathon specific work, strength work, long tempo runs, long, long runs. And so we don't want to have a long run at 16 miles where we completely fast ourselves. What we want to do is we maybe want to do those 10, 12, maybe a 14 mile long runs in those fasted states early in the segment. Cause what that's going to do is that's going to spur the adaptations to allow the other work in that last six to eight weeks to really be benefited by the training you did in the first six to eight weeks, if that makes sense. So the fasted part is going to spur the adaptations for the fat, the fat burning that we're talking about. And then once you get into where you're doing long tempo runs and you're doing faster long runs, then you're going to be able to be more equipped to handle those. And so, so I would definitely say those are early on. Um, and especially because you don't want to be, you don't want to get to the point where you're just, you know, what I call the white dot fever. You know, you get so hungry, you're seeing white dots in front of your eyes. Um, you don't want to be at that point after a 16 mile long run. It's one thing to be at that at a 10 or 12 mile long run, but the longer you go, the worse it's going to be. So I would, I would definitely recommend that being an early segment type of long run and not a beginner. That's, it's, this is something that is for, you know, somebody who's gone through the program at least once, 
um, or move from the beginner to the advanced and now we're looking for different ways to to obtain a stimulus so um, that's who I would would do it um, the, the other key part of this is that pace does not matter you know like if you the first couple times you do this you might be like what was I thinking um, you're gonna be hungry you're not gonna feel that great um, it's something that is definitely going to be a change to your body it's gonna be a shock to your body and so with that the key to this too is you deplete yourself during before and during but after the long run you get right on the you get right on the replenishment you start getting the carbohydrates back in you start rehydrating you, you know you get you take care of that recovery part of it and that because what we talk about with all this stuff is that it's not necessarily the hard work you do it's how you recover from that hard work and so if you're going to put yourself into a situation like that where you've really run your carbohydrate stores down your glycogen stores down you need to be in a position where you can get right on the replacement of those as soon as the run is done and that instant kind of um, influx of carbohydrate coming in is actually going because your body's in a really kind of a starvation mode right so your body wants your body wants carbohydrates and it's like man I don't want to go through this again so it's also it's also ultimately going to help you store more carbohydrates so if you if you expose it to a bunch of carbohydrates right after the run your body's going to take full effect of that and it's going to store as much as it can and so over time you'll be able to store more and more and more and, and in the meantime your body's like well I really don't like going through that point where I don't have carbohydrates so I'm going to you know build these mitochondria up and I'm going to get these enzymes going and I'm going to be able to burn more fat at a better rate so it's it's definitely a, a multiple facet way of improving your performance it's just not I wouldn't do it every other I wouldn't do it all the time and I would only do it early I wouldn't do it um, every week though another thing too is you can definitely take water and electrolytes which you should during it you just want to stay no no carbohydrate coming in all right so that's the fasted long run the other thing is the, the long run with the fartlek um, I tend to not really give these a ton um, but I do in, in some situations you know the first might be when a person is only doing two workouts a week so they're only doing one workout during the week and then a long run or a long tempo run on the weekend I might combine a I might combine it with a long run with a fartlek and then give them kind of two for one special on, on an SOS so it, their you know their Sunday long run also doubles as a marathon specific workout as well so you can do it something like that um, or alternator plans where we're doing um, every other week a long run or a tempo one it might be a good substitution for that um, or when workouts are more spaced out like our 90 uh, cycle plans where they have two days of recovery instead of just typically one but it's, it's, it's an old Boston track club long run and all this it is it's just a long run so let's say 16 miles uh, and it will have something like you know maybe four miles easy to moderate you know getting progressively faster than do eight by two minutes at marathon pace with two minutes jog between every um, two minutes at pace so it's it's essentially uh, 16 32 minutes of on off on off on off and uh, or we'll do something like six by three minutes with two minutes off so that we'll, the more fit you get the longer the marathon pace uh, repeat will be and then the rest interval in between will be shorter and shorter so it might be you might go a two and two early on and build it up to like a, a five five minutes at marathon pace with two minutes easy in between each five minutes there's a number of ways you can do it and, and, but you just definitely want to progress into those over over time um, 
it's just, you know, simply a good way to accumulate more time at, at marathon pace. And I know for a lot of my runners, they like it just because it breaks up the monotony. If they, especially because I have a few people who really, truly do struggle with just going out and running, uh, you know, 10, 12, 14, 16 miles. And this is a great way to break it up for them. But it's also still an aerobic run. It's not something, you know, if as long as they keep it at marathon pace, you know, that's technically a, a high aerobic run. And it's not something that's going to be overtaxing for them, especially if we make sure the recovery recovery is there uh so i think it improves i think it improves uh you know a lot of our aerobic capacities especially with, uh, mitochondria and all the enzymes and all that good stuff um, but it's also a great way to increase specific endurance or stamina so ultimately too once we get to a point we want to not just be able to cover ground but we want to be able to cover ground at a, a set pace and this and this will help it um, where I would schedule this is I would just give it to them a couple times in the in the middle of the training plan towards the beginning of the late stages. So it might be something like between 12 weeks out and six weeks out. You know, I wouldn't do anything um, probably in that last six weeks because I'm going to do a different type of long run in there. And same thing, like you don't want to give every single long run a you know, something fast in it or, you know, whatever the case is, because ultimately you do still need to have a long run where you're just going out there, you're putting time on your feet and you're just enjoying the weekend. Right. So that's just as important as these two. These are just things you can do to shake it up. Okay. So the last thing I would talk about is, uh, the fast finish long run. And this is a great long run to really teach your body what it's like to run fast at the end of a long week when we're really tired, you know how we talk about, yeah, the way the schedule set up is the 16 miles on the long run is really the last 16 miles of the marathon, not the first 16. And this can really put that into play too. Um, but it's a very race specific long run. So you don't want to do this in the beginning. This is something that I'll say for one or two times in that last six to eight weeks of, of training. It's a, it's a long run I would do in the peak training when, when our workloads are at the highest. And I wouldn't do it every long run. I would definitely space this out a little bit. Um, the structure itself is pretty simple. I tend to like to prescribe these as a gradual pickup and pace so that you're really truly practicing race strategy. You're practicing going out conservative, gradually picking it up, and negative splitting, negative splitting the run. Um, so first few miles would be nice and easy. From there, you gradually pick the pace up so that by you know, about two thirds of the way into your long run, you're at the top end of your moderate range. You're still in that range, but you're getting close to the top of that. Then when you get to the last two or three miles of your long run, you ratchet that pace up once more. Because ultimately too, it's like if you're running a minute, minute and a half slower than marathon pace, then all of a sudden you're asked to flip a switch when you're tired. That's really hard to do. So if we gradually ratchet up the pace, now we're only asking you to go up to like, you know, you know, 30 seconds instead of a minute, a minute and a half, you know, it's easier to make a 30 minute switch than, or 30 second a mile switch than it is a minute and a half mile minute switch, um, especially if you've done 13 or 14 miles. Um, so it's pretty simple to do. Um, I think it's, I think there's a couple things to this. It's a pretty tough finish. So it's not only going to give you the physiological effects, but it's also going to teach you how to be mentally tough. And it's going to teach you how to run fast, even when you're when you're tired. And that's going to give you a lot of confidence going into your marathon, knowing 
man, I can be dog tired and I know I can still find a way to get that pace in. And that's a, that's a big, big uh, mental hurdle, hurdle to get over. Uh, last long run is really the long moderate distance. And this is really just a natural trans progression from the LSD model, long, slow distance. And I think for the most part, I didn't really necessarily want to put this in there, but it's more because this is more of a natural progression, right? Like you're just going to naturally get faster on your long runs. Once you've actually built the general endurance, the next logical step is just to get more specific with that endurance and more uh, put more speed into that long run you know, using that term loosely, like you're still within your easy pace range. You're just not necessarily worried about just covering ground, but it's like, hey, I'd like to cover this, you know, I was making these long runs in, you know, 830 pace. Now I'd like to be, you know, under eight minute pace for these long runs, you know, whatever the case is. So, um, but I think that's just, that's, that's just the most, more natural progression with that stuff. But for a beginner or even um, a person who has done a marathon before, but was a beginner before then this is this is a new stimulus to it so it's something worth worth adding but again i think it's more of a natural progression and you don't necessarily need to even think about it you'll end up doing it so the key for all these i've talked about though is really the re recovery and re replenishment especially like i was talking about with with the previous uh, long runs so regardless of whether you supplement it or not during during the long run with gels or whatever you take you have taken your stores to critical levels that's just the nature of the long run, right? That's why we're doing the long run. So beginning the process of replenishing these levels will allow for adaptations we want to re we want to take place and will allow the bo body to bounce back quicker to do the next workout. So it's ultimately, one, how well you can recover and how this workout's going to affect the next workout. And that we talk about that a little bit later too. So, all right, so that's it for long runs. Temple runs is the next thing I want to talk about. Um, you know, long runs are pretty much foolproof. You go out and run, you go out and run for a couple hours, you know, whatever the case is. A tempo run can get tricky. And so the goal with a marathon pace is really threefold. First, learn how your actual race pace feels at increasingly longer distance. The second, maximize the running economy, fat metabolism, and aerobic capabilities. And that's going to be most effective when you're at race pace. You get more economical at race pace when you practice race pace. The third is to gain confidence at race pace. So this last one, this is always big for me because a lot of people will focus on the long run as their source of confidence, but all that really tells you is that you can run pretty far, pretty slow, right? A tempo run, however, shows you that you can still run pretty far, but at your marathon pace and during the middle of the week. So to me, that's a much, much bigger confidence booster than slogging through a 20 miler at three minutes slower than your marathon pace that to me that doesn't even tell me really anything only that you can actually cover 20 miles so for the beginner there tends to be a couple ways that we don't quite max out the benefits the first is when the runner is low mileage and is just attempting a run to run a tempo you know sometimes these these folks are short easy run have short easy runs faster than their goal marathon pace so there is a tendency to run the shorter marathon tempo runs at an even faster pace, which makes sense, right? Since this is supposed to be a workout. The logic is definitely there. However, the real problem is that the person's general endurance is not there. So I don't get too worked up about this early on because I know that when the mileage kicks in, paces have a tendency to work themselves out. One caveat to that is when we don't, when we continue to force the paces that we were running before and they aren't really truly where we should be at, that's when it gets into a problem. 
Um, however, I think patience is key on, on tempo runs, and I would stress that these runners slow down on the tempo runs and try to learn what their actual race pace feels like. And it's easier to do that early on when the runs are shorter because you're ultimately going to just pay a price when you get to the 8, 9, 10-mile tempo runs and you still go out too hard, and then you're going to crash and burn the last few miles, and it's going to be a very miserable experience. And also, you run the risk of getting hurt. The advanced runner can make these early runs quick as well, but it's typically typically because their early attempts are fairly short. So they've gone through this process before, you know, 10 miles, they know 10 miles are going to be tough, but four miles is going to be pretty easy. And so they tend to get a little, little excited and uh, run them quick. And to you, I would say the same thing, slow it down, focus on the pace early on. The sooner you can learn how to get into a rhythm and pace, the better off you're going to be on race day. And the bottom line is that the harder you make it early on in, the, in training, the earlier you get into cumulative fatigue, like we talked about before, and you run the risk of actual overtraining. You go well beyond the line of cumulative fatigue and into overtraining. So it's all about getting through what you need to in that early segment and building that foundation, even though if the workouts are a little bit easier, you're setting the stage for the harder work that you're going to do the last two months. So just keep always keep that in mind. Now, you may experience the opposite. You may struggle early on to hit your goal marathon pace. And this may be true when someone is trying to make a big jump to another level. The faster you get, the tougher those adjustments become. A beginner may not even notice a 10 second a mile adjustment as they are approved very rapidly. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll be night and day for in a couple months from when they started. Whereas an advanced runner may notice every little increase in pace. You know, like we talked about this before when you talk about percent improvements, like a 5% improvement for a 430 marathoner is nothing. If I can just get them to run 10 miles more a week, they're going to they're gonna probably be 10% better. You know, if you take somebody who's run 215 in the marathon, if you can get them to improve half a percent, that's going to be a significant increase in their performance. So it's all relative to where you're at on, on your running. Uh, so the point is that if you do struggle early on, don't give up on it. Your fitness on day one isn't going to be the same that your fitness is during the last four to six weeks of the marathon segment, right? So like just, just recently I had a, a gentleman email me and he's like, he's running a marathon in June and he's, he's, uh, about 10 seconds a mile slow on some workouts now. And this was early, early, this was before February. So this was in January, meaning he has February, March, April, May, and then into June. So he literally probably had about five months to get from where he currently was at to where he wanted to be at. So you, it doesn't make sense to panic now when the ultimate goal is five months from now. What you do is you find out where you're at now and you progress gradually. And that's kind of, and that's essentially what he wanted to do. He was, I think he was just more worried that he wasn't going to be able to do it, but he was definitely on the right track. He just needed to be patient and say, look at, look at where he was at every four to six weeks and if he was ready to make that jump up, he could make that jump up. If not, you just stayed there for another couple of weeks until you're ready to make that jump up. So, so that's the point. Your fitness now isn't going to be your fitness in five months. So don't freak out when it's a little bit harder early on. So let the pace come down naturally. If a number of weeks go by and you still simply can't get the pace down, then it might be simply a nudge to adjust your pace back a little bit or just stay there for a few more weeks and just let your body dictate to where you're at. 
But now, on the other hand, don't use that as an excuse to hammer your tempo runs. Like, oh, this is what my body said. Well, if you're already making a big jump in your race in your race goal, you don't need to make that even more. You're still going to be at the risk of overtraining and then ultimately probably miss the goal you originally set for yourself. So it's not an excuse to put on the accelerator, but it is an excuse to say, hey, this is where I'm currently at. Let's gradually pick it up if I'm not quite where I wanted to be in the long term. So hopefully that makes sense to you. All right, strength workouts. At 10 seconds faster per mile than goal marathon pace, the initial thought a lot of times is that this is an easy workout, right? So the runner will be at least 15 to 20 seconds fast. They'll do this for a rep or two. And then they'll start that sharp decline into a botched workout, right? So, um, so ultimately we were too fast and then we were too slow and we were probably never actually right on pace at one point during the workout, right? So we ultimately didn't hit the workout at all. Um, but these are deceivingly tough due to the higher volume and the short rest and the gradually increased and the gradually increasing lactate levels in the blood. So when fatigue hits on these, you become well aware, right? So I remember the, watching a few people do a six by one strength workout and they're like, oh, this is so easy. First two, they're hammered, hammered, hammered. They didn't even finish the workout because it was just even that 10, even going from 10 seconds faster per mile to 20 seconds faster per mile, put them over their lactate threshold and they were toast. So you'll know when you, you'll know when you do it. You don't need me to explain it to you. For beginners, yes, there are probably some gray area physiologically with these. However, we're the point of this is to get your higher blood lactate levels in the blood. And this will allow you to clear blood lactate at much better levels. You will also be just below your lactate threshold, which is ultimately allow you to tolerate higher and higher levels of lactate in the future. So it's all about lactate clearance and lactate production. The lactate production isn't going to be super high, but you're going to be able to clear it out much faster. And ultimately what this means is, again, you're going to burn, you're going to be able to run faster at a higher level for a longer period of time. And if you think about it, we're sparing carbohydrate and glycogen, which is where lactate comes from. You're setting yourself up to be a lean, mean aerobic machine. So the problem arises when you crank these too fast. When you do that, you simply overload the body prematurely. The workout becomes survival, not training. Remember, we build fitness from the bottom up, which means we push thresholds up from the bottom. We do not pull them up from the top. Think about it this way. We can do a lot more when we are, we can do a lot more work when we are just under the threshold than we can when we put ourselves over the threshold right away. And that's where speed comes in, right? So if we were to try to do a six by mile and it's over our lactate threshold, that's too much volume. We can't do it, right? It's too much of a workload. But if we're just under that lactate threshold, we're still getting all the adaptations we need and we can do a higher volume of work with little rest and really and really put ourselves in a, in, in a great situation to have a great workout. Speed, on the other hand, is short intervals fast with a little bit longer rest because the whole idea is to take us over that lactate threshold and put us in a position where we do have to suffer, but it's not for as long amount of time. OK, so last but not least, I know that we have speed. And it's in the beginning of the segment. And to be honest, the speed is where the mistakes are made. And being at the beginning of the schedule can really dictate how the rest of the training will go. In the traditional sense, like 5, or 5K or 10K development, 
Speed is more about developing top-end speed in VO2 max. Now, I'll be honest, if you're a beginner, you'll see an increase in your VO2 max simply by doing the schedule. You're, gonna, you're at a position where you're going to see improvements pretty much no matter what you do. So, if, so if for advanced runners, we're looking at increasing VO2 max from 60 to you know, we're not looking to see an improvement from 60 to 62. Like that's not going to do much of anything for us, right? That's not really going to take us anywhere for the marathon. In other words, the speed that we are doing is speed that is relative to the event we are training for. For the vast majority of people, this means about 10k pace. And what's the benefit in that? And we've talked about we've talked about it before, but doing speed work really fast early in a segment can cause something called acidosis or what change it's a changing of pH in the blood and this can actually stunt aerobic development because basically, you know, for lack of a better term, it burns out enzymes and it doesn't allow mitochondria to fully adapt. So you really end up stunting your aerobic growth. The thing though is that this occurs at paces faster than 5k pace. So that's why if I back it off and stay at 10k pace, we're still going much, much faster than marathon pace, but we're not going so fast that we put ourselves at risk to do this. On the other hand though, we want the speed, but we don't want to put it at the end of a marathon segment because that doesn't make much sense either. 10K, we don't want to do 10K speed the last month of a marathon segment because that's not really race specific, right? That's 5K, 10K specific. It's not marathon specific. So we want it, but we want it at the right time and that best place to put it is early on. Um, so that, that's the whole point of that is so that you don't, you don't want to, we want speed, we don't want to put too fast but we don't want to put it and we don't want to put it late in the segment. So that's why it's there. Uh, side note, this is also why we don't like marathon after marathon because you ultimately never do get to do any fast segments where you're doing things at VO2 max pace or you're doing things um, at 5K pace. You're not doing those really gut burning repeats on the track if you're just doing marathon after marathon after marathon. So that ultimately will hurt your development as well. So that's why we say, you know, three marathons every two years because it gives you a chance to have a segment or two where you can work on things you need that are weak to you. So that's why we do it. All right. So don't worry if you don't get into 5k paces, you're still going to get plenty of benefit from 10k pace. So for the first one, your muscle fiber recruitment will improve, right? So we're still, in, we're still recruiting fast twitch fibers. We can first recruit fast twitch fibers and intermediate fibers that may not have been used in a while. So that's again, if you've gone if you've done just marathon, 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 and just mileage and mileage and mileage with no real speed, those dormant, those fibers get dormant and they just become, they just don't do anything. So we want to wake them up and then we can start teaching them to look how we really want them to look. And that's like, if we can take a fast twitch and intermediate fiber, recruit it, we can now change it because we're now we're now it's getting exposed to all the aerobic work that we're doing, right? And it's not gonna look exactly like a, a, a slow twitch fiber, but it's gonna look a lot more like a slow twitch fiber. And so that just gives you more, you know, quote unquote firepower for when you're late in the race. So again, this is really about a little bit of a precursor work to when we do this, this strength workout. So if we can get those recruited and firing again, that's only going to help us for the strength workouts, right? And then it's only going to help us for the long tempo runs. And it's only going to help us for the, 
the faster long run. So this is all early stuff that we're doing in foundational work that's going to prepare us down the road. And the key is that going faster isn't going to improve this. If we shock the body too much too soon, we'll stunt the very, very aerobic development we're trying to improve. So being patient here will be the key to a successful segment. And I, I stress that because a lot of you don't see that. And it, it really is the key to the segment. And it's truly the foundation being able to effectively handle all the other work that we will do later on. So it always comes back to that foundation that we have before we do the hard stuff. And so the last note I want to make about speed is the tougher is that the tougher we make the speed, the tougher we make the tempo, which makes the long run tougher. If we do this too much too soon, we put ourselves on a trajectory that we simply cannot maintain for 18 weeks. And this goes back to the idea of getting too fit too fast. This is the number one reason people fail at this program. Part of that is cumulative fatigue and the idea that it's not a single workout that does us in. It's cheating the speed down a little bit, followed by a tempo that felt so good early on, followed by a long run where I just had to stay at the top end of my prescribed paces. We tend to maximize the paces we can early on because they're easier, but we fail to look at what those consequences are going to be later on. We, do, we fail to see what effect those are gonna have on the next workout, the next week, the next month, and how we'll be coping when we get to the six to eight, six to eight week out mark, and then you'll really hate my guts, right? So in short, everything we do doesn't affect just today. Everything, every day should be an opportunity to look at your plan and think, what do I need to get done today? Nothing more, nothing less, repeat. And it's, it's boring, it's monotonous, but it's going to get you in the best shape of your life, especially for the marathon. So one thing I'll say in that, and this goes to where I'm talking about, not every workout has to be important. I would pick out a couple workouts you know are going to be absolutely tough for you and put your focus on those. The workouts, the work, the workout or two before and the workout or two after that workout, you've got to go into the mindset, I just need to get this done. I don't need to crush it. And you put your emphasis on that one workout because it is nice to put your emphasis on one workout every now and then and be like, okay, dang, I am fit. I'm ready to roll. But you can't do that day in and day out. If you do, if you put your emphasis on that one workout, your next day better be easy. Your next long run better be easy. Your next speed or strength workout better be easy. You better make sure you're recovered from that and not keep digging yourself a hole and trying to prove something to somebody else or yourself that every day is better than the next because we know that you're going to get more fit. We know that you're going to be in a good position. We just have to stay within the parameters of what we're telling you what to do. And now that you know what you're actually getting out of that and what the and what the what can happen if you get out of that, that will ideally teach you say, okay, you know, you live to fight another day. Or even yeah, and that's the other thing too is even if it's a bad workout, it's like we're doing workouts all the time. One bad workout means, okay, so only 99% of the rest of my stuff went okay. It's fine. Just you, you pick up the pieces and you move on. But, you know, we can't get into this thing where every workout has to be our best workout. You know, it's, it's that old, it's that rolling stones. You don't get what you want. You get what you need. In the tempo run, maybe you just get what you need for that day and that's it. And you move on and you don't, you don't stress about it. You don't worry about it. You don't think that your race segment's over. It is what it is, and you just move forward. So, and I, I'm only telling you this because I've spent so much of my own career 
kind of fighting that as well. And I think that, um, and once I, once I learned that lesson, I feel like now my workouts were just more relaxed. They were smoother and I, I was less stressed overall because I wasn't putting myself into a frenzy over every single workout. And I think that's what a lot of people do. They put, they put their life and death on how well that next workout's going to go. And you just don't need to do that. So, okay. So I'll get off my soapbox. All right. Last line, last few lines here. So knowing the purpose of what you're doing, as well as making a few mistakes along the way are just great learning points. Just don't keep making the same mistake over and over. I can't stress that enough. I see it all the time. It's like beating your head against the wall. One thing I have found that has worked in this program is uh, program your workouts into GPS. So whether it's Garmin or whatever, Garmin, you can go into Connect and you can set up a workout. And yes, it does take a little bit of time, but it can keep you on point. And I remember someone saying to me, but the beeping is so annoying. That's the point. You're learning how to control your pace and there's nothing better to teach you your pace than an annoying beep that will not go away until you hit the pace range you set. <laughs> so yes, it's annoying, but that is the point that it's going to teach you. All right. Uh, I have all, I have found this to be very successful long-term. I just, I, I feel like you naturally start, you don't want to be annoyed. So you just start naturally running the paces that you need to. Um, the other thing I found is, you know, rewarding yourself. Uh, but the only way you can get that is if you hit your paces for a week or two weeks. Um, personally, I don't find this as effective because I would probably just go buy whatever I wanted anyway. Um, but the point is to get creative, find something, make it a game. How close can I come to pace? Whatever works for you. It is work, but over time, you become a natural and those annoying beeps will only be a figment of your imagination. So anyway, those are the lessons I have learned the hard way over my first 85,000 miles of running and observing for my first 12 years of coaching. So hopefully you can take something away from that and be learning paces and getting what you need out of your workouts instead of making every workout your world beater workout. Uh, so I think if we learn those lessons, you couple that with getting too fit too fast and recognizing the dangers of that, taking that early part of the segment, really what you just need to do, building that foundation, setting yourself up for the hard work you're going to do the last couple months of that segment. You're going to be in much better position. You're going to truly get into cumulative fatigue and not into overtraining. Your taper, your 10 day taper will work and then your marathon will be good. As long as you have a good plan, you get lucky with weather, you have a decent setup, you're going to be fine. But the training part of it, that shouldn't, that will not be your worry at that point. So, um, but I think that's important. I, I think the last two I've done are very important, especially for people who tend to make the same mistakes over and over again. A lot of those mistakes are what we've talked about in this and what we talked about in the adapting to training um, posts. So um, I think there's a lot to take from there for most people who, who follow us. Um, so with that, I'll leave you. Thank you for listening and uh, I will talk to you later.